You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts, Ben Worney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Worney, and joining me on the line for the Ikoria Crash Course is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, are you ready to break down Ikoria? I am so very excited. We have to start right off the bat, though, with our first disagreement. Which is what? I think it's Ikoria, not Ikoria. Whoa. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. It's definitely, it's definitely Ikoria. That's weird to me. I'm, I'm going Ikoria until I'm proven otherwise. We need a Twitter poll immediately after we're done recording this episode. <laughs> because the masses say so doesn't mean they're right, Ben. Oh, well, that's just because you know they're going to side with me. What, are you listening to this, people? He's insulting you right off the bat. Anyway, anyway, look, let's, let's we're, we've got a lot of arguments ahead of us, Ben. So how are you feeling about diving into whatever the set's name is, Crash Course? I am beyond stoked. The set looks Totally sweet. I've done a couple drafts already with our patrons in the Discord and was really, really fun. Yeah, this set seems bonkers complex. There's so much text on all of the cards. Even the commons are just like chock full of text. This feels like, you know, like an unset or like time spiral or something. (laughs) Yeah, there is a lot of reading to do. All right. So because there is so much to break down in this set, we just got to dive right in to the Crash Course. So for folks who don't know, we do spoiler season a little differently here on Lords of Limited. We do not do an entire set review on the podcast. We do have a spreadsheet that will be released with the podcast that will have all of our grades in it. So we do grade the cards individually. So we have that for ourselves, and we'll be talking about those a little bit later on. But what we're going to do mostly is look at sort of broad strokes for the format. We're going to look at a lot of uh, stats, things that are going to give you big picture ideas for diving into your first weekend of drafts or sealed for the format. But before we get into any of that, we got to talk about the aforementioned patrons, Ben. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. Everyone who joins the Patreon gets access to the Lords of Limited Discord. We say this each and every week, but at the start of a new format is the best time to get in on the Discord. It is where we are breaking the format each and every time a new set comes out. We're talking all things drafts. What's the pick? What's the play? What's the build? People diving in, teaming up on stuff. It's really, really the best 24-7 limited tech support out there. And each and every week, we want to make sure we welcome our new patrons to the fold. So this week, we are welcoming Octave, David, Henry, Matthew, Jack, Andreas, Victor, Kong, Rock of Flame, Enderlord, Wooden Spoon, Nathan, Ren, Lucas, Dave, Matt, Yoan, Pocket Strike, Livingston, QDiz, Professor Moriarty, Richard, and Luke. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. And I just want to shout out a new feature in our Discord. So we've had one of our moderators, Neil, and I think co-oping with some of our other moderators, designing a bot that fires on-demand drafts. You can join the queue and then draft on a third-party website. And that's how you and I have jammed some Ikoria drafts ahead of the game here. And it has been loads of fun. Yeah, yeah. Really, really fun. A really sweet feature. And I imagine it's going to pick up once uh, Ikoria goes full speed ahead. Another thing I just want to shout out real quick uh, is that I did a full set review. If you're just trying to jam as much new set content as possible, I did a full set review on stream with Corticals, aka Alex Nikolic, one of the co-hosts of the Limited Level Ups podcast. Uh, So that's available as a VOD on my stream, as well as a seven-part series on our YouTube channel. So youtube.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can find that and a whole host of other limited content. 
get over there and subscribe. What are you waiting for? Exactly. Okay, so last week we talked about the new and returning mechanics. I don't really want to spend a lot of time on them. I do think because questions keep coming up about mutate, I do think we should just take a second to talk about that again. But cycling, keyword counters, and companion are your new and returning mechanics in addition to mutate. What's going on with mutate in this set, Ben? Oh, yikes. I was going to throw the mutate questions to you. I'll, I'll give my brief summation of mutate, and then I'll, I'll throw you some hardball questions and see if you can answer them. Ooh, okay, great. So mutate basically is, you know, creature has two casting costs. It's got its normal casting cost, and it's got its mutate casting cost. And if you choose to cast it for its mutate casting cost, it merges with another non-human creature on the battlefield. So when you pay that mutate casting cost, you get the choice to either put it above or underneath the non-human that's on the battlefield. And if you put it above, it's going to have the power and toughness of the creature that's on top. If you put it below, it'll have the power and toughness uh, still of the creature that's on top, but of the original creature that it mutated with. Um, So you pick which power and toughness you want, and then it has the abilities of both creatures that trigger the mutate abilities will trigger as soon as your first mutate happens. Yeah, I agree completely with that. What are the hardball? What are the hardball questions, though? All right. So what happens if you bounce a mutated creature? Everything in that pile goes back to the owner's hand. What happens if you blink a mutated creature? They come back as all separate instances of those creatures. There is one more thing that I do want to point out, which is that there are a lot of cards that say like like Bristling Boar, for example, which is a 4-3 for 4 that says it can't, Bristling Boar can't be blocked by more than one creature. So when cards say their own name, even if you mutate on top of it so that that card is now underneath, it still refers to that pile of creatures. So even though it says Bristling Boar and now there's a creature with mutate on top of it, it still applies to that creature. Oh, here's another one. What happens if, in response, my opponent kills the creature that I'm trying to mutate onto? So it's just like bestow from Theros. So then the creature with mutate just resolves on the battlefield as if you had cast it normally. And you don't get a mutate trigger. You don't get a mutate trigger. Correct. Yeah. Really, really complex mechanic, but I think that's one of the reasons it's something we're so, so excited for in this set. Yeah, and then there's also keyword counters. So things like flying, vigilance, trample tokens floating around that go on creatures. And those are fairly self-explanatory. And I think a big part of what's going on in the set. Mm -hmm. And then companion, which is, you know, there are about 10, I think, rares in the format that are creatures that give you some sort of deck building restriction. And if you meet that deck building restriction, you can start with that card essentially in your hand. It'll be in your sideboard, but you can just play it from your sideboard as if it were in your opening hand. And then you can also, if you don't meet that deck building restriction, you can just put that card in your deck as if it were just any card in your deck. It seems like some of those are going to be feasible for limited. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think some like automatically feasible. And I think some you'll have to like jump through a few hoops for, but I think some of them are definitely worth it. All right, let's dive right into the stats. So this time around, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. Uh, We got some really great feedback last time around on our Theros Beyond Death crash course. So we're going to be not throwing out the same stats as we usually do. We're going to be looking at stats primarily in the context of how removal matches up against creatures. So why don't you take us away, Ben? Okay, so if we look at the average creature converted mana cost, the average creature costs 3.4 in the set. That's all commons and uncommons we're taking a look at, which is fairly high compared to other sets we've taken a look at, I think. Yeah. The average removal cost is just 2.7, which Ooh. is pretty darn cheap. And you're getting almost a full mana advantage on your average removal spell versus what you're paying for a creature on average. And what does that tell you about the set in terms of speed right off the bat? 
I think probably that it's going to be a little slower mm -hmm. just or that you're going to have the tools to combat stuff. Like if the removal matches up favorably, very favorably, I think, against the creatures, there are some hyper efficient removal spells in this format. Yeah, for sure. So we'll just sort of like tick up along the toughness curve, starting with X ones. Now, there are only 12 total creatures plus a, a sorcery that makes two one one creature tokens. So 13 total cards at common and uncommon with toughness one. So that's 12% of creatures. And there are some ways to combat X ones. We've see, seen a return of Blazing Volley, which is a single red deal of damage to every creature your opponent controls. But a, a card that I'm really on the lookout for as a huge X one hater is Suffocating Fumes, which is two and a black for an instant. Creatures your opponents control get minus one, minus one until end of turn, but it also has cycling too. So a really flexible card that a lot of black decks are going to be able to include. So not a lot of X ones, but some pretty good x1 hate at your disposal yeah and i think a lot of those x1 creatures are not super strong and no. probably they're going to be mutated onto for the most part so i would take that with a grain of salt there yes. also however will be human tokens floating around quite a bit agreed so if we move up to x2 there are 22 creatures total at x2 and then you know also the things that kill x2s are going to kill x1s so we're looking at these spells these removal spells killing about 35 percent of the creatures at common and uncommon in the format so there's dead weight single black enchantment enchanted creature gets minus two minus two and worth noting you can put that on a bigger boy too mm -hmm. to you know sort of nerf it a little bit there's blitz leech which is five and a black for a flash five two and when it etbs target creature gets minus two minus two until end of turn and you remove all counters from it and there's a couple others here zagoth mamba weaponize the monsters survive thundermane there's several tools at your disposal to deal with x2s moving up to x3s we're looking at 27 creatures at x3 61 creatures total so that's about 62 percent of all creatures so about two-thirds so things like i think one of the best commons in the set fire prophecy which is one in a red deal three and then you get to have the option of putting a card in your hand on the bottom of your library and if you do you draw a card there's also Springjaw Trap. That's the single mana artifact with Flash that has four tap sack deal three. Both of those are going to be hitting about two thirds of all the creatures. And if we move up to X4s, there are 20 total creatures at X and four. And then these removal spells are going to deal with 81 creatures total. Wow. So about 83% of all the creatures. So these catch a lot of things. First up is Rumbling Rock Slide. I really like this one. So this is three and a red for a sorcery, and it deals damage to target creature equal to the number of lands you control. There's also Divine Arrow, a classic one and a white instant, deal four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. And then another sweet one. This is Flame Spill. Tuna red for an instant deals four damage to target creature. Excess damage is dealt to that creature's controller instead. So a little trample on your removal spell there. Yeah, so that's about it in terms of damage-based removal on toughness. And we're going to be looking at some sort of specific removal spells here. The first one being Blade Banish. This is a, a classic type of card that's always like, well, are you going to main deck this or are, are you going to start this in the sideboard? So this is three and a white for an instant to exile target creature with power four or greater. So how many creatures with power four or greater are there? Uh, 22 total, so that's 22% of the creatures. And this is mostly in the Jund colors, so in black, green, or red. So think about that for some preemptive sideboarding. So, you know, about 
a one in five shot of having a target with Blade Banish. And I think you're probably not main decking that based on that information. That's what I think too, yeah. Which is, I think, was a question for me before looking that up because you think Ikoria, giant monsters, you know, maybe this is going to be better than normal, right? Right. So if we take a look at our next removal spell, this is Heartless Act. This one's hyper efficient. This is one in a black for an instant, destroy target creature with no counters on it, or remove up to three counters from target creature. So if we think about counters, there are 28 creatures that intrinsically either have a counter or grant counters to another creature upon entering the battlefield. So 29% of things are going to have a counter at common and uncommon in the format. And then in addition to that, there are 11 instants or sorceries, a lot of combat tricks, things like that, that grant counters when you cast them. So there's going to be a fair amount of counters running around. Yeah, so I think the equivalent here, and there's a lot of actual parallels here to Dominaria, but to think about cast down from Dominaria, which is one in a black for an uncommon, instant, destroy target, non-legendary creature, and Dominaria had a lot of legendary creatures floating around, and it wasn't that you wouldn't have targets for your cast down, it was just generally that the things that you wanted to kill were the legendary creatures. So cast down ended up being worse than a couple of the common removal spells. And I think that's where I'm going to start off with Heartless Act as well. Yeah, I'm going to start a little higher on it than that, but I I hear the parallel for sure. Uh, Next up, we've got Easy Prey, which is one in a black for an instant destroy target creature with CMC two or less. And it also has cycling two as a situational spell. So we wanted to look at how many creatures there were with CMC two or less. 29 total at a common or uncommon, so 30% of the creatures. But as we said, a lot of those are one drops, which aren't great or are probably going to be you know around for a few turns and then mutated onto. but one of the things i think this could do so in some of the drafts i've done and i I texted you and i think you had the same experience it was difficult to pick up low drops at times yes like if you if you were picking the good mutate creatures highly and there were a lot of people trying to do mutate you were not getting a lot of cheap creatures easily at least that was my experience Yeah. And so this could be used to, if you nab their two drop before they ever have a chance to mutate, you could really throw off their hand, right? Because the the best mutate draws are going to go two drop, three drop, mutate on turn four or something like that. And if you nab their two drop and they don't have anything great to mutate onto, you could have severely, you know, lowered the power level of their hand. Yeah, I think this is going to be, I think this is a deceptively good card. Like, I think this looks kind of bad because Unlimited is like, well, why do I, I'm not never like really getting a mana advantage here. This card seems a little weak, but I think it's going to be just like great in your opener and then any other time you just cycle it away. So I think it's going to be probably pretty good for the reasons you mentioned. And if we take a look at our next removal spell, this is Go for Blood. This is one in a red sorcery target creature you control, fights target creature you don't control, and it's got cycling one. So... If we take a look at red power and toughness versus the other colors, so red has 3.38 power on average and three toughness. Other colors all combined have 2.71 power on average and 3.21 toughness on average. So you're bigger as as a red player in general, but not enough bigger that I'm really excited about go for blood. The saving grace is that this has cycling, but I think this is just worse by a fair amount than both Fire Prophecy and Rumbling Rock Slide. So I don't think this is going to be a high pick or a big player. I think that it's hard to know, but my guess is that the reason this is in red and has cycling is that then it plays. So maybe it's not great as just like a prey upon variant, but tacking on that it's a spell for the spells matter portion of red and that it has cycling for the cycling matters portion of red may bump this up beyond just what it does on face value. That makes sense to me for sure. And the last removal spell we want to look at is a doozy. This is ram through. This is greens 
common removal spell, one on a green for an instant. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control. And then if the creature you control has trample, excess damage is dealt to that creature's controller instead. Just, let's just look at all that text on that common. It's a lot. So we want to look at the average green power here, which is 3.75, versus the average total toughness across all creatures, which is 3.21. So on average, you're going to be able to take down the thing if we're looking at these stats. Yeah, and I think ram through is going to be a very good common. Agreed. So just some general stuff about removal. We've got 23 total common and uncommon removal spells. Uh, it's two more than Theros Beyond Death had, so we're nothing earth-shattering there. The average removal spell cost is 2.7, and we, we talked about that earlier, how that matched up with the creature CMC. I think takeaways from all this is that removal spells are efficient for the most part and pretty powerful, and they're going to be a lot of the top commons in the colors. Yeah. So, for example, Theros Beyond Death, which also had pretty darn good removal, average converted mana cost was three there. There are 13 removal spells at common, 10 at uncommon, similar to what we've seen in the past, and as usual, concentrated in red and black. So about half of the removal spells are in those two colors. And then things that we didn't count in those stats were stuff like counter spells and bounce, Essence scatters back, one in a blue instant counter target creature spell. That's going to be a huge player in this format, I think. Convolute is here, two in a blue instant counter target spell, unless its controller pays four. And then a couple sweet spells here. Gust of Wind. This looks like a premium bounce spell to me. Three in a blue sorcery costs two less to cast if you control a creature with flying. Return target non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand and then draw a card. Oh, baby. Cryptic command. Yeah, it really is. I mean, so we've seen this effect to varying degrees of power level. And I think this one's restricted a little bit because it can only target opposing creatures and only sorcery speed. Yeah. But if you're getting that effect for one in a blue, if you've got a flyer, I think that's going to be a very good card. Also going to do work in the blue red spells matter deck because it's going to be a spell replace itself and set back your opponent agree there's also neutralize as another counter spell this is constructed playable much more than limited but fine and limited as well it's a one blue blue instant counter target spell and it has cycling two and then there are a few cards that deal with artifacts or enchantments probably best of the bunch is wilt yeah, one on a green for an instant destroy target artifact or enchantment and it has cycling two so that takes us onwards to checking out what sort of support there is for the archetypes or the various synergies that exist in the format first of which we're going to take a look at mutate so there are 30 cards total that mutate in the set five at common 15 at uncommon and 10 at rare and mythic i know we don't usually look at rares and mythics here but just wanted to throw those out there the color distribution for mutate is pretty spread out um so it doesn't really feel like it's like hyper concentrated at any one color or color pair and then looking at the mutate quote-unquote payoffs so these are cards that explicitly say when this mutates do x but it doesn't have a mutate cost itself there are two at common and two at uncommon so you're gonna have to do i think a little bit more work or be a little bit more creative in terms of like what are the things beyond that just say like zagoth mama that's like when this mutates give a creature minus two minus two until end of turn like what are the things that look like good mutate bodies on their own yeah agree for sure and then humans as a tribe, there's been a lot of talk in the Discord that humans might be underwhelming. I don't know that that's necessarily true or not. It feels a little difficult to make those sorts of predictions until we've gotten in in games. Mm -hmm. So there's 25 humans total, 12 at common, 13 at uncommon. They're concentrated in black, white, but peppered throughout the other colors as well. 
So there's stuff like Forbidden Friendship, one in a red, make a 1-1 dino creature token with haste, as well as a 1-1 human creature token. And then there's stuff like Garrison Cat, which is single white for a 1-1 cat. When it dies, you make a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. There's also some cards that want you to have a mix of humans and non-humans that I'm not sure how to evaluate. So there's like Survivor's Bond, which is one in a green for a sorcery. You can choose one or both to return a human creature card from your graveyard to your hand or return target non-human creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So a, you know, a sort of soul salvage that makes you work for it. And then another card that I'm pretty excited about, Fight as One, which is a single white instant, choose one or both, target human creature you control, gets plus one, plus one, and gains indestructible until end of turn, and same deal for target non-human creature you control. So you could could potentially get uh, to protect and, and blow out with two of your creatures. Yeah, that feels like not something maybe necessarily to aim for, but like if you go for humans and are getting cut, maybe an emergency off-ramp that you can build like a half-humans, half-non-humans deck. Yeah, I, I agree. And lastly here for humans, we've got Sanctuary Lockdown as an anthem for your humans. This is two and a white for an enchantment. Human creatures you control get plus one plus one. And you can pay two tap, two untapped humans you control, tap target creature and opponent controls. This is just an anthem and opposition. Yeah, I was initially kind of down on this card, but I think this may be actually the crux for the humans deck because of how many one ones there are and how that's under unexciting. But if you can like there, there's a four mana three, three that makes a one, one human turning that into a four, four and a two, two is big game, big game. And there's going to be a turn where you just go tap your stuff. End of turn, untap, kill you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Like I have six creatures in play, tap three things, untap, you're dead. Lastly, we'll look at cycling. So there are 39 total cards at common or uncommon that have cycling on them. So 15 at common. And the payoffs at common include Dranith Healer and Dranith Stinger. So these are two drops in red and white. The healer gains you one life when you cycle and the stinger deals the damage to your opponent when you cycle. Um, so as it, usual, white getting the short end of the stick. Exactly. Though there is like, not like a life gain payoff, but incidental life gain in the set, I think is going to be quite good. Um, and then 24 total at uncommon. There's the full cycle of ability counter creatures. So like Titanoth Rex is nine mana for an 11-11 trample, but you can pay one in a green to cycle it. And when you do, you put a trample counter on a creature. So there's a, a cycle of those. Um, and there are a, a few payoffs, including Flourishing Fox. We talked about this last time. This is the one mana, one, one. Whenever you cycle a card, you put a one, one counter on Flourishing Fox. And it also has cycling ones. So a lot of, the nice thing is that a lot of these cards that are cycling payoffs have cycling themselves. There's also Valiant Rescuer, one and a white for a three, one. When you recycle another card for the first time each turn, create a one, one white human soldier creature token. And it itself has cycling two. And lastly, we talked about this last week, but I will talk about this as much as I can. Survive Thundermane, which is red white for a three two whenever you cycle a card you can pay two when you do survive thundermane deals two damage to target creature and you gain two life so question for you yes sir there are no lands other than the rare tri lands mm -hmm. that let you cycle lands is there any concern as a red white deck that if you're cycling all these cards that you're just going to hit pockets of land and run out of steam without cycling lands to help fuel your stuff? My feeling initially, and obviously these are all just takes, is that Savai Thundermane is the key to this deck. And that this deck, if you are in like a dedicated red-white cycling deck, which I'm not sure how often it's going to come together, you're running like 15 lands. I agree with that. Yeah, that was my thought as well, that you're going to have to skimp on lands a little bit so that you don't flood out. And I also think when you've got good cycling payoffs like this, you should be looking out for any card that is cycling one. Doesn't matter if it's blue or black or green. Like those cards make your deck. Yeah. 
For sure. So looking ahead to the next thing we usually check in on, which is sweepers. There are a few sweepers here. First up is Extinction Event. This is a rare. Three and a black sorcery. Choose odd or even. Exile each creature with converted mana cost of the chosen value. So this is interesting. I think this is almost better than a normal wrath because you're you're definitely nabbing your opponent's thing like the thing that you're worried about most killing you mm-hmm. and you can you can plan ahead if you know you need to get a six drop off the battlefield with this like you can load your board up with threes and fives and then boom get them with extinction event yeah that's interesting I, i'll be curious to see how this plays out i think this definitely is a very good card in the format next up we've got mythos of snapdax this is two white white for a sorcery Each player chooses an artifact, a creature, an enchantment, and a planeswalker from among the non-land permanents they control, then sacrifices the rest. But if you pay black-red to cast this, so then it would cost black-red, white-white, you choose the permanents for each player instead. So you get to choose what your opponent keeps. And lastly here, why is this a card in the format? I know. This is red, red, white, 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 black, black for ruinous ultimatum. Sorcery, destroy all non-land permanents your opponents control. Dune Blast, move over. Oh my god. New new king in town. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So those are your sweepers, and they're all at rare, so you know, and ruinous ultimatum is insane, but it also costs red, red, white, 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 black, black. It's really hard to cast. But it's absurd. Yes, very absurd. I'm going to pack one, pick one at all the time. Yeah, absolutely. The next thing we like to look at is incidental life gain, because that sort of gives you a hint at the speed of a format, I think. The more incidental life gain there is floating around, the more difficult it is for aggro decks to be good in the format. And there is a lot of incidental life gain and lifelink floating around. 19 cards total at common or uncommon that can gain life. Some cards that I'm most excited about, I'm going to throw out Essence Symbiote here, which has been called Wild Growth Walker by Corticals. This is one in a green for a 2-2. Whenever a creature you control mutates, you put a plus one plus one counter on that creature and you gain two life yeah that card is good splendor mare is up next this is two and a white for a three three at uncommon it's got lifelink and you can cycle it for one and a white when you cycle it put a lifelink counter on target creature you control just super efficient all the way across the board yeah so just be on the lookout for that incidental life gain as you're drafting and i think that'll that'll maybe clue you into to what the speed of the format's going to look like there's also another one here that you're pretty excited about this is bushmeat poacher what's that one do this is three and a black for a two four at common and you can pay one tap sack another creature you gain life equal to that creature's toughness draw a card so I think this is maybe a good time to talk about the potential for a sacrifice deck. So we've got this sack outlet. We've got a sort of bone splinters reprint in mutual destruction. So this is a single black sorcery as an additional cost to cast it. You sack a creature to destroy a creature. You can also cast this as if it had flash if you control a permanent with flash. And then the active treason effect that we've got going on here is called tentative connection. This is three and a red for a sorcery. It costs three less to cast if you control a creature with menace. So you can potentially cast this for a single red, which is pretty busted because normally the choking point on these types of decks is you know the casting cost of the act of treason yeah and potentially doing this for one mana is busted then you gain control of target creature until end of turn untap it it gains haste until end of turn yeah so i think with those pieces at common the poacher and the tentative connection um, and mutual destruction and then we've got a card that we're going to talk about a little later weaponize the monsters single red enchantment pay to sack a creature weaponize the monsters deals two damage to any target I think we may have the pieces for a black red sacrifice deck here. And the fact that Bushmeat Poacher lets you replace the card that you're sacrificing to draw a card. So you've got like a creature that's no longer doing anything relevant. You just like block with it, then sack it, draw a card, gain life. That that seems pretty good to me. Yeah. 
All right, so if we check in on those keyword abilities, so there's a, a cycle of cards that are mentors that grant these ability counters upon ETBing, and they all have tap to give a plus one, plus one counter to every card that's got that ability. So there's a lot of them floating around. First one is Menace. There's seven cards that have or grant Menace. Flying, 12 cards that have or grant Flying. Vigilance, eight cards that have or grant Vigilance. There's Flash, so nine cards total that have Flash, and there's also Trample, 10 cards that have or grant Trample. And each of these ability words is correlated with a color pair, right? So Menace is concentrated in black-red, Flying in blue-white, Vigilance in white-green, Flash in blue-black, and Trample in red-green. Yeah, so these are like the allied color pair things because a lot of the stuff here is an enemy color pair or or you know, tr- three color shards, wedges, whatever they are. Um, so it's, it's weird because four of the five of those mentors are these abilities, but then the black one grants lifelink because I guess granting flash wouldn't make any sense. Next up, we want to look at the mana fixing in the set. And boy, howdy, is there a lot of mana fixing in this format. So looking at the lands, we've got the, the full cycle of gain lands at common, but they're not actually at common. They basically replace basic lands like they did in M20. So about like 10 out of every 24. So you'll see about 10 of them per draft. But they're going to be way better in this format than they were in M20. Right. You were basically never splashing in M20. And I assume you will be wanting to splash quite a bit in this format. We've also got Evolving Wilds, Tap Fetch Land. We've got Far Finder, which is three mana for a 1-1 Vigilance. When it ETBs, you search library for a basic land, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. You know what I'm most bummed about is that people are going to know Far Finder's good because of how good Skittering Surveyor was. Yeah, my only hope is that we have enough new players that didn't play in Dominaria. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a cycle of crystals. Those were our preview cards that are three mana mana rocks that tap to add one of every color of the wedge and can cycle for two mana. And then there are four cards in green that fix. First up is Fertilid, two and a green for a zero zero ETBs with two plus one plus one counters on it. And then you can pay one and a green to remove a plus one plus one counter from Fertilid to have target players search their library for a basic land, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. There's also Humble Naturalist. I'm pretty excited about this guy after realizing that there weren't a lot of great two drops in the first couple drafts I did. Mm-hmm. So one and a green for a one three tap to add one mana of any color. Spend this mana only to cast a creature spell. There's migration path at uncommon three and a green sorcery. Search your library for up to two basic land cards. Put them onto the battlefield tapped then shuffle your library and it has cycling two. And I'm also pretty excited about this one. This is migratory great horn three and a green for a three four. It's got mutate for two and a green, and whenever it mutates, search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. If you get to mutate this guy, it's essentially an aura that grants like, you know, plus one, plus two or something, and rampant growth. That's a pretty strong card. I agree completely. So almost all of that is concentrated in green. There is some colorless fixing, but not certainly to the extent that you're going to be able to splash around in green. Yeah. Moving on to mana sinks, there are hardly any at all which is not ideal, you know, maybe you're at risk of flooding, but there is a lot of card advantage value and that sort of stuff, which kind of does the same thing as mana sinks. Sort of, yeah. So if we take a look at some cards here, there's the almighty brushwag, all hail. <laughs> this is single green for a 1-1 trample, and you can pay three and a green to give it plus three, plus three until end of turn. So you'll be able to mutate onto this or later on in the game, it will be able to be a threat, but not really a classic mana sink that's going to, you know, help you get over the hump. Right. There's just like not really places to like, 
dump mana to like get an advantage. Like there's checkpoint officer, which is the tapper one on a white one two, pay one on a white tap to tap target creature. Like so that you've got something to put mana into as the turns progress. But there just isn't really like you know there's no guild mages or, or things that are going to give you like repeatable sources of value as the game progresses. Right. The most, the best of them are the cycle of mentors, right? So each of them comes in, grants a counter, and then you can pay some mana and tap it to put counters. So for example, there's Duskfang Mentor. This is two and a black for a 1-3 when it ETBs, put a lifelink counter on target non-human creature you control, and then you can pay one and a black, tap it to put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control with lifelink. Those are, those are if you get those tribal abilities, those are the types of things that are mana sinks that are going to let you run away with the game. Yeah. So if we move on to the next thing, we're taking a look at flying and flying hate. There's 11 total creatures with flying or that can grant flying and one trick that grants permanent flying counter. And all of them are blue and white except for fairy dragon in blue red. And in terms of flying hate, there's quite a bit. We've got plummet, which is one in a green instant destroy target creature with flying, as well as shredded sails. That's the one in a red instant with cycling two, and you can choose one destroy target artifact or deal four damage to target creature with flying. And then we've also got three creatures total with reach cloud piercer in red, flycatcher giraffid, and glowstone recluse in green. And a trick that grants reach in sudden spinnerets, that's the single green target creature gets plus one plus three until end of turn, put a reach counter on it, untap it. So that's more flying hate than we saw in Theros Beyond Death, and even fewer creatures with flying in this set than there were in that set. I am obsessed with making giant flying monsters with mutate. <laughs> I can't help myself. Like I, That's all I want to do. But how are the... But, how are they going to be giant? Because you're going to mutate. So you're going to start with something like the Dreamtail Heron mm-hmm. or the Parakeet or whatever it's called in white. Oh, what is it? Vulpakeet. Vulpakeet. Yeah, I knew it was some kind of a keet. Uh, so Vulpakeet or Dreamtail Heron. And then later on, like on turn, once you get seven, eight mana, you're going to put one of those seven sevens, like the Ar- Archipelago in blue or something on top of it. And you're just going to have a hasty six, six flyer. You are living a magical Christmas land. This is the, this is a game where your opponent does nothing for seven turns. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. That's great for you. <laughs> All right, let's dive into uh, arguing. I can tell we're both chomping at the bit to look at some uh, some card grading differences. So what we're going to do here, we'll uh, talk about the grading scale. And then, as I said, Ben and I graded each card separately in the set. And so then we're going to go back and discuss the cards where we had two or more of a gradation difference of that card. So if I gave it a C minus, he gave it a C plus. We're going to talk about that card and try and convince each other that we're right. So if we take a look at the grading scale, A's are your bombs, game winners, good in many situations, especially when you're behind. Some of the best cards in the set, bomb rares and hyper efficient removal spells. So from Theros Beyond Death, basically all of the rares. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, Dream Trawler, Ashiok, and Kiora Best the Sea God. Bs are strong cards that pull you into a color, make you want to play that color, reasons to be in a particular color or combination of colors. These are the best commons and good uncommons. Examples from Theros, Myers Grasp, Dreadful Apathy, Shimmerwing Chimera, Timurit, Chosen by Death. Cs are your solid playables, meat and potatoes of any limited deck, very interchangeable, average creatures, normal removal spells, cards such as Lampad of Death's Vigil, Ichthyomorphosis, Incendiary Oracle, and Omen of the Sun. Ds, sometimes playable, below average cards. These are your like last last includes, 22nd, 23rd type cards. So Nyxborn Courser, Elite Instructor, Nyxborn Brute, Satessin Skirmisher. Your Fs are your unplayables, cards you should never put in your deck, or weird rares, stuff like Fruit of Tizarus, Satyr's Cunning, and Nyx Lotus. And then we've got some sort of 
add-ons to our grades, first of which is sideboard cards, cards that don't make the main deck, but when you board them in can be quite good. Think about Gift of Strength, Plummet, or Soul Guide Lantern. Build-arounds, cards that don't do much on their own, but when you build around them can be good to great. Stuff like Furious Rise, Wave Break, Hippocamp, and Thassa's Oracle. And then Synergy cards are cards that are not quite good enough to build around, but provide good synergy if they're in the right deck. So thinking about Transcendent Envoy, Dreamstalker, Manticore, Naiad of Hidden Coves. All right, that's going to take us on to our first card disagreement here, which is Garrison Cat. That's the single white 1-1. One, one. When it dies, you make a 1-1 one, one white human soldier creature token. I gave this a D. Ben gave this a C. Ben, talk me up on this card. I think there's not a lot of cheap non-human creatures in white, and this is going to be one of the best to mutate onto if you get into white mutate stuff. So white has the Vulpakeet that you're going to want to mutate into. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be times when you're blue white or something and you're going to need good stuff to mutate onto for your Dreamtail Heron. So I think Garrison Cat fills that role quite nicely and is going to be filler in those decks. Let me ask you this. You can't you can't steal my catchphrase. I have to try it, though. OK, uh, why don't I pose this question to you? <laughs> Are you taking this or the egg, the one mana O2 when it mutates you? get a plus and plus one counter on the creature. Are you taking this or the egg when you're in this white mutate deck? I think I'm taking the egg. Yeah, that's what I think too. You called this filler. That's not a C. All right, D. Yeah, this is not a good card. D plus. Fine, you have your D plus. Next up, we've got Imposing Vantasaur. This is five and a white for a three six with Vigilance, cycling one. So I gave this a C, you gave it a D. So I will, you know, I'll try and talk you up here. So it, maybe it's a, it's, Probably closer to C minus, but I do think cycling one matters quite a bit on this card. That's the that's the most important part about the card, right? You're you're hoping right. to never cast this for a six mana three six vigilance, even in the green white vigilance deck. I think that's not true. I don't think that's true because, like, remember this is exactly that one card that had plane cycling. Remember that it's like a three six vigilance with two mana plane cycling. Yeah, this is that card, but cycling one is I think generally going to be better than plane cycling two. And we've got cycling matters here. This is D territory for sure. I'm going to go C minus. This card is not good. You're hoping to have better cards than this at the top of your curve. And the best thing this is going to do is cycle for one when you have a Savai Thunder main out. That sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> Next up is Keensight Mentor. So we just have a disagreement about all the mentors, I think. So I don't know if we need to talk about each and every one because I think we had the same grade difference for all of them. But we'll, we'll start off with this one, which is two and a white for a one for it uncommon. When ETBs, you put a vigilance counter on target non-human creature you control, and then you can pay one and a white tap, put a plus and plus one counter on each creature you control with vigilance. So I gave this a C, you gave this a synergy B. Yeah, I'm really excited about this cycle of cards and you and alex both seem not to be so i I think there's a shortage of mana sinks these are great places to dump mana i think there's a lot of different lanes and pockets of synergy you can get into and i think if you've got two creatures out with vigilance and this on the battlefield this is a very powerful card if you activate this twice i think you're running away with the game especially on stuff that's got vigilance making your vigilance creatures better is very powerful yeah i'm having a hard time figuring out like what this keyword matters deck looks like or if this is going to be maybe just a sub theme of a lot of decks which is why you have it as a synergy grade here my trepidation with these cards save for the green one which is a three mana three three is that their bodies aren't exciting and my feeling is is that this is a board presence people format if what i'm thinking is that mutate is as powerful as it seems but the downside of mutate is that you're taking a tempo hit when you do it because you're reducing your board that i think you want stuff that affects the board in a meaningful way and a lot of these are like this is a three mana one four the the black one is a three mana one three i, I just 
you know, some of them, you know, the red ones are three mana, three, two, like they have varying sizes, but the, this sizing I'm not interested in, especially because I don't think you want to, it's going to be rare, especially in white that you can curve out with this card. Maybe not. Maybe you're just going to have a bunch of two drops that are non-humans, but you've got to be then pretty flush with them from another color. Right. Well, there's the white one for vigilance for two mana, right? Yeah. That, that's perfect with this card. So like, let me describe, let me describe this board state to you and, and see what you think. So you have this and two creatures with vigilance out. You're very excited about this card then, right? Yes. Oh, hundred percent. I think that's going to happen a fairly reasonable amount. Well, if you, you, take all, this you actually only need one other creature with vigilance because this is ostensibly going to put the counter on the other thing. Because the, the, the problem is, is that the one, the one you're talking about the one four like i guess you could just put double vigilance on it but that one four already has vigilance sure and maybe you're not curving out with these but i do think they're powerful cards yeah i i i could be wrong I, i'm i think i hope to be wrong about them because they look like some of the only mana sinks in the format um and i definitely agree when you've got two creatures you can put counters on it's like a must deal with threat so i, I could be too low on this for sure definitely something to check back in on right and like you said you really only need the one because they're going to give it to something else right yeah for sure so i think they're not going to be like a deck it's just going to be a package that you've got in your deck well speaking of vigilance ben how about Majestic Oricorn? This is four and a white for a four, four Vigi, has mutate for three and a white. And when this creature mutates, you gain four life. This card is garbage. I love this card. I gave it a B minus. You gave this a D plus. This card is so bad. Okay, so uh, white doesn't have a lot of mutate creatures. That's partially because white is a lot of humans, so you don't have a lot of targets to mutate onto. This is incredibly splashable as a single white costed thing so splashing this in like a blue green mutate deck i think is going to be very very likely because it recoups some sort of tempo loss if you're a splash deck and gaining you for life it's a lot of life to gain vigilance is a relevant keyword and a four mana four four vigilance haste gain for life is definitely something i'm excited about really i'm not excited about either half of this card i think you're miserably disappointed with a five mana four four vigilance and I can't imagine like that the mutate trigger of gaining four life is worth two for one in yourself with this. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm st sticking by it. You're not going to talk me down here. Wow. I, I really, I love mutate and I really don't like that card. All right. Well, we'll have to see how it goes. Next up, we've got Will of the All Hunter. This is one and a white for an instant. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. If it's blocking, instead put two plus one, plus one counters on it and cycling two. So I gave this a C plus. You gave this a C minus. I just think like I'm putting this in my white deck all the time. I don't think I'm cutting this because it has cycling two. So it's got like a relevant thing for the color as well as being like taking away cycling being relevant in the color. It also is just like a split card. It's either a, a good combat trick or I can just cycle it away to draw a card. Yeah, I, I'm going to go up to C. I think here's what happened in my brain. So you never want to use this on a blocking creature if you can avoid it, right? Because Correct. then you're opening opening yourself up to get two for one. And I sort of was knocking that as a downside against the card, but really it's all upside, right? Because there's going to be situations where you have to YOLO and pray mm -hmm. to try to eat something. And that's just a benefit on the card. And then plus two, plus two for two mana is not great, but it's fine. It's got cycling. I think it does a lot. I'm going to go up to C. Sweet. Moving on to blue. The first card we've got here is Facet Reader. You give us a C minus. I give us a C plus. This is one and a blue for the one, two human wizard. You can pay one, tap it, and loot. Draw a card, discard a card. I think this card is 
good. Uh, it's, it's, it's a cheap amount of looting. We've not seen a one mana looter for a while, and there are not a lot of great low drops, and there are not a lot of ways to mitigate flood as we've seen, and this is one of those ways. I think you're going to have at least one of these in every blue deck. That last point, so we should say the grades. Ben gave this a C plus, I gave it a C minus. Your last point there about we've not seen a lot of ways to mitigate flood is the reason that I think I'm a little too low on this, but I will say I'm very wary of human two drops because I want my two drops to be things I can mutate onto most of the time, I think. So I'm just a little worried about a like one, two for two that I don't want to get into combat with that I can't upgrade. So this is basically something I'm, it's like an enchantment I'm casting, so I'm not affecting the board. So that's why I'm a little wary of it, but I think I'm going to move up to C. I agree. C is probably the right place. I think one of these in a blue deck is going to be the sweet spot. I agree. All right, we've got Hampering Snare next. This is one on a blue for an instant. Creatures your opponent's control get minus two, minus O until end of turn, and it has Cycling 2. I give this a C minus, you gave this a D, and I think I'm inclined to agree with you. You know, we have saw this effect for a, a mana more and it just had draw a card tacked onto it. So the fact that you don't get to do the thing and replace it, you either have to choose whether you want to replace it or do the thing. And if if we're in a world of like trying to, I mean, you're not really going tall, but sometimes you are with plus one, plus one counter triggers with mutate that, that perhaps minus two, minus O just isn't going to get there. Well, I think one thing this could do in the blue red spells deck, you know, you're going to be able to cycle it, get a spell in your graveyard. There's some cards that care about stuff like that. But all in all, I think this is going to be filler. Yeah, I, I'm going to go down to D. Next up, Keep Safe. Ooh, I am excited to talk about this one. So you gave this a sideboard. I gave this a Synergy C. So this is one in a blue instant counter target spell that targets a permanent you control and draw a card. Yeah, so tell me why this is good. This is great in mutate decks. So this is going to be something that lets you go tall. Like the, the risk with making a giant mutated monster that you've mutated three or four times onto is that your opponent can kill it with a single removal spell and they're incentivized to do so so you can bait them into doing that while getting all these sick mutate triggers and then just hold up keep safe and savagely blow them out right if you stick this card the card's like b power level right the the danger is it rotting in your hand because your opponent's not targeting your stuff but if your opponent's not targeting your stuff and you're going tall with mutate great you don't need your keep safe yeah my feeling is that this card basically says counter you know one of maybe what five total spells that your opponent could have maybe uh so my my problem with this card is that there's such a narrow window where it's going to actually be able to be cast like it doesn't even have cycling to get out of your hand and that i think there's gonna i I recognize yeah you're like look well those are the times your opponent doesn't have removal but they could also just have the tapper in white so you've just like gone tall and you're just tapping down the thing but if you're getting like four or five mutate triggers every time you mutate i don't know that you care I don't know, but you're, you still have Keepsafe rotting in your hand. I, I don't think I want to play this in the main deck. I think I want to wait before I see my opponent have like a bunch of good removal spells. Okay, I'm really excited about Keepsafe and Mutate decks. Okay, we'll have to see how that shakes out. Next up is in the Uncommons. This is probably something I'm just too high on. This is Escape Protocol. One in a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you cycle a card, you may pay one. When you do, exile target artifact or creature you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. So I gave this a build around B. You gave this a build around C+. I just don't think there's a ton of stuff that you're interested in flickering. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think I'm too high on this. I I gave this, you know, we went Wooberg order, so I gave this this grade here, hoping to see like 
a bunch of good ETB stuff, and there's just not that much. All right, next up is Mystic Subduel. This card is awkward. So one and a blue, flash, enchantment aura, enchant creature, enchanted creature gets minus two, minus O, and loses all abilities. And then in reminder text, mutating onto the creature won't give it new abilities. It can gain new abilities in other ways. Like ability counters? Right. Or pres- or presumably like an aura. But only afterwards, right? It right. like loses all the abilities it had before this was cast and then can gain abilities after. Right. So like if you put an aura that gives it plus two, plus two and trample, it will get trample, but not if you try to mutate trample onto it. That's what it seems like to me from the reminder text. But that's a strange card. Uh, it's a strange card. It seems tricksy enough. I wish it had cycling. Maybe C is too high. Maybe minus two minus O isn't good enough. You know, I, I was trying to put this in the context of like where we've seen this effect before. And like the, the card in Eldrain that gave minus two minus O or minus six minus O as long as your opponent had seven or more cards in their graveyard. The minus six minus O was huge. Minus two minus O, not so much. Slime Bind from Ravnica Allegiance was minus four minus O at Flash, and that was pretty good. Minus two minus O is small, so I'm wondering if the lose all abilities is enough of a, a boost in the, the world of Mutate, where this is good enough. I don't know. I have, I have no idea what to think about this card. You gave it a C, I gave it a D plus. I, I'm... I'm just not sure how practical it is. Yeah, I'll go down to C minus. I'm not maybe as excited about this card. It's a tough one to evaluate. Next up, we've got Ominous Seas. I'm going to go ahead and concede to you here, but I think we need to talk about this card, like where my fallacy was in the card. Okay. So you gave us a B minus. I gave us a D plus. This is one and a blue in enchantment. Whenever you draw a card, put a foreshadow counter on Ominous Seas. Remove eight foreshadow counters from Ominous Seas. Create an eight, eight blue Kraken creature token. And Ominous Seas also has cycling two. So I gave this a B minus. It looks like you have a D plus, but you said you're conceding to me. So I'll, I'll t- do you want me to talk about why I think the card is good or do you want to talk about why? Yeah, you- great. Okay. So I think that the world where this card is in your opener is great. Put it on turn two. And then assuming you've got other cycling or card drawn blue, which I think is not a, a, a large leap to make, this is going to make you an 8-8. Eight, eight. It's like a two mana suspend, make an 8-8 eight, eight on turn seven. And then there's also this like cool thing about it where once you're at like six counters and like you pass to your opponent, they have to sort of respect that maybe you could cycle some stuff to just flash in an 8-8 eight, eight at instant speed. And then so those are all the, like the ways where you're making an 8-8. Eight, eight. And then when you just draw this, you just cycle it away because it's too slow. Yeah, it's all upside. And I think I, I miss the interaction with cycling. I was thinking there were only a couple card draw spells that you really could do in tandem with it. I, I didn't think about cycling, which is busted with it. And the other thing I missed is you don't have to sacrifice it. Right. You could make two 8-8s eight in a game. So if the game's going long, I mean, that's some serious value. I think, all told, it adds up to a a good card that pulls you into blue. And I'm joining you on B-. That's going to take us on to black, where we're going to look at Cavern Whisperer. I kind of want to concede to you here. This is four and a black for a 4-4 with Menace, and it has three and a black mutate. When it mutates, each opponent discards a card. I get this a C minus, you gave it a C plus, but I, I want to bump up to C plus. You're conceding. Wow, just the concessions. It's just it's just good. It's just all upside. I think I just missed the, the menace part is really what tips this over the top for me. It's really good. If yeah. you mutate this onto something, it's an aura that gives like presumably plus two plus two ish menace and makes your opponent discard a card. So the thing that makes this good, I think, is when you're mutating and you're mutating onto something, you're not down a card because essentially the creature that you mutated onto was like something that made them discard a card. So it already got a card worth of value. I think your opponent discarding a card that they choose is not quite a full card of value. I agree. And you are you spent the mana to cast your yeah. creature. They didn't spend the mana to cast their so card, all that stuff. But I, I still think this card is good. 4-4 four, four mana haste is busted. I also think as we 
well, we won't see, but I think as folks have seen, and I think taking the fact that we haven't really disagreed on a lot of grades in Black, Black's commons are weak. But the uncommons are absurd again. <laughs> the uncommons are good, but the commons are not, it's not deep like it was in Theros. There's a there's a pretty steep drop off after like four. So I think Cavern, but Cavern Whisperer is up there for sure. Next up, we've got Suffocating Fumes. I got another concession here. <laughs> <laughs> you gave this a C plus, I gave us a sideboard grade. It says two in a Black instant, creatures your opponent's control get minus one, minus one until end of turn, and it's got cycling two so once i saw this card i was just like cool i'm never drafting the go wide humans deck well there's that i mean it does blow that deck out pretty hard but there's also just scenarios where it's an instant and it's only your opponent's stuff and if you've never played with stuff that gives minus one minus one to a team that's a big deal so similar to the green card that you know prevents all damage from creatures your opponents dealing that turn this is gonna be plague wind some amount of the time yeah. And it's it's got cycling. It's just main deck hate against the humans going wide. You can use it as a combat trick. I just think it's it's very versatile. Very versatile, yeah. And I don't think you're going to want like more than one, but the first copy I think is going to be included in most black decks. Yep. I, I'm going to I'm going to go C, not C+. Next up, we've got Unexpected Fangs. This is one on black for an instant, put a plus one plus one counter and a lifelink counter on target creature. I gave this a D, you gave this a C. Yeah, I'm just pretty excited about this as far as like leaving a counter behind and a lifelink counter behind. It's going to be a big swing if you stick this and it's going to make it almost impossible for your opponent to race. I just think it's very powerful in that scenario. It leaving behind the lifelink counter is cool. Not that it like gets lifelink until end of turn. But my feeling is that in a format where your creatures can cycle as combat tricks and your combat tricks can cycle, you're not going to have room for just a straight up trick a lot of the time. That's f- that's fair. I mean, do you agree with me that in the situation it's oh, very yeah, powerful? Oh yeah, for sure. So maybe more of a, a powerful out of the sideboard card if you anticipate you're going to be getting into a race. I'll go deep. I'll go D plus. Sweet. Next up, moving on to the uncommons, we've got Bastion of Remembrance here. We are all over the place. You gave us a C plus. I gave us a Synergy D plus. <laughs> Alex gave us a B minus. So this is two and a black enchantment. When it ETBs, make a one one human soldier creature token. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So it's like... Zulaport Cutthroat that can't be killed, sort of. Sort of. For three mana, it's basically that, right? They can kill the 1-1, one, one, but you still get the effect of whenever a creature. And it's whenever a creature, not a creature token, or like not a non-token creature, so it counts for your 1-1s. One, Maybe I need to give this a, a synergy, or, or perhaps it's a, bu- a build around, dare I say. But that effect is very powerful. I could see like trying to draft this with the like uh, Bushmeat Poacher and some you know, go wide stuff and you could make a little turtle up deck. Yeah. All right. So I'll go synergy C plus. I'm going to go, I'm going to go build around C plus. I think this is worth building around. All right. Build around C plus. I can get behind that. So the Zulaport cutthroat thing, how good of a card, what grade would you give Zulaport cutthroat? I don't remember how it was in the context of the set In the context of cube. It's great. Right. But, but this isn't cube. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I want, I like this kind of effect and I hope it's good. I hope you can do something with it. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go in with an optimism here. Presumably this goes in the humans deck, right? Because that's where you're going to have the most bodies going wide. And I think the white enchantment that's the anthem and the tapper is just much better than this. I'm not, yeah, but like, so when you have to choose between them and you're in white, then sure you can take that. But I don't know if that's true. I, I, I could see building a black red sacrifice deck where this is a, a really good piece of that deck. You get that like forbidden friendship card or whatever, where you make two one ones. I like, I don't know. I think this could be good. All right. 
Moving on to red at common. First up, we've got Lava Serpent. You give us a C minus. I gave us a D. This is five and a red for a five five haste cycling two. Uh, yeah, I just again, I think this having cycling in red bumps it up a little bit for me because red cares about cycling. And then a six mana five five haste. You, you're not mad about that when you top deck it. Yeah, you're right. I'll join you at C minus. Ooh, easy. Well, we've worn them down, folks. <laughs> next up is tentative connection this is the act of treason the three and a red sorcery it costs three less to cast if you control a creature with menace and you gain control of target creature until end of turn untap it it gains haste until end of turn so i give this a synergy c you gave this a d so am, am i just out, out of my mind here that this red black sacrifice deck exists no i think it exists i just think if you're going to be getting in that deck, you need to be wheeling tentative connections. I don't think you're picking the tentative connections aggressively. Sure. Though may maybe at a certain point you are. Like if you're if you're in pack three and you're in the deck, you're just like, yeah, this might wheel. But if it doesn't, it's a disaster for me. I agree. I mean, I was I was grading the card in a vacuum. Yes. I think Active Treason's a D, but I do think that deck is real. And I think if you want to think about it as a synergy, see, like I think we're saying the same thing with different grades. Sure. That's fair. Next up, we've got Reptilian Reflection. This is two and a red for an enchantment. Whenever you cycle a card, you may have Reptilian Reflection become a 5-4 dino creature with trample and haste in addition to its other types until end of turn. It's riddle form, baby. Yeah, this card's great. I gave us a build around B. You gave it a C plus. It's charging Monstrosaur on turn four. This card is really good. Yeah, it's it's very good. So I, I guess I, I... So maybe... I can go build around B with this. I don't need to uh, to argue. It's it's very powerful. It's a very good card. I agree. And you're gonna want to put it in a in a red based cycling aggro deck. All right. Here's the, this next card. I probably need to come up on with a, a build around grade like you have. This is weaponize the monsters. The single red enchantment two sack a creature. Weaponize the monsters deals two damage to any target. So you gave this a build around B. I gave this a D plus. Alex is in the middle at C plus. I do think I'm gonna come up on this to a build around. My only worry is that in a world where you are perhaps already taking tempo negative hits with uh, Mutate, that this isn't good. But I think I can't say that and be like, well, there's also a black red sacrifice deck because if there is a black red sacrifice deck, this card is great. Right. You're not putting this in a Mutate deck. Exactly. Like this is this is the deck. I, I have such a crush on this card. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up on Build Around B with you. It's It looks like lots of fun. I think there's going to be like red-white versions of the deck. I think there's going to be red-black versions of the deck. It just looks like a very cool card to me. Yeah, I agree. That takes us over to green. In the commons, we've got All Hail the Almighty Brushwag up <laughs> Except first. you don't you like this card. You gave us a C. I know. <laughs> Kappa. You gave us a C. I gave it a D plus. This is single green for a one one with trample and three and a green to give it plus three plus three until end of turn. Talk me up on this card. Bring me into the fold of the brush wag. Green is the color where you're going to be splashing the most. And I think a lot of the things you're going to be splashing are mutate creatures because that's where you're getting a lot of power from the set. This is one of the better things I think to mutate onto. Like I think it, what I have experienced so far in the like half dozen drafts we've done with people in Discord is that it is hard to get one and two drops that you want to mutate onto. And this is just the perfect thing to mutate onto, I think. It seems less good than that to me. This seems like tier two to mutate onto. Sure. sure. Would I rather mutate onto the Essence Symbiote? For sure. But I do think... Maybe, maybe I'll go C minus, but I don't think this is D territory. I just think it's too low impact. I, I don't think I'm happy if I mutate it onto the card, and I don't think you I'm happy, happy if you mutate onto the card, because now you have a bigger thing that has trample and haste and has a threat of activation on future, future turns. Okay, yeah. All right, I'll join you. C minus. Welcome to the coven of the almighty brushwag. <laughs> next I don't know up, why that name entertains me so much, but it really does. I love it. Uh, next up, we've got Essence Symbiote, one and a green for a 2-2. Two, two. Whenever you can 
Whenever a creature you control mutates, you put a plus one plus one counter on that creature and you gain two life. I'm on B minus territory here. Ben's on synergy C. So if I like brush swag to mutate onto, I love mutating onto essence symbiote. The fact that you got a couple symbiotes on the battlefield, this stack. So then you're gaining four, putting two counters on something, which I don't think is crazy to think about because this is a common in green. I think this is like your bread and butter two drop and it's a high pick. You're right. Another concession. <laughs> I'm, I'm joining you on B minus. So, and my my mentality is changing after the just the couple drafts I've done and talking with you. Yeah, and and maybe we just experience some anomalies. But I do think the the same argument that I'm going to have for one of my top commons, the fact that the stacks is is really strong. Yes. I, I'm going to join you at B minus. Next up, we've got Flycatcher Giraffid. I'm gonna, I'm us, gonna, I'm gonna concede. <laughs> you give us I'm a gonna, C. I give us a D plus. I'm pre pre conceding to you, but you can read what the card does. <laughs> this is four and a green <laughs> for an antelope lizard. It's a three five. When it ETBs, you get your choice of a vigilance counter or a reach counter. Yeah. So uh, just the fact that this is five mana and doesn't have mutate, I think this is not making your deck a lot of the time. So I'm going to go down to D plus. I was at C, just like my love of mammoth spider. And, and mammoth spider does like very wildly with how good it can be in, in some sets, like great in Dominaria, not so great in Ravnica Allegiance. But I think this is going to be not great in this format. It just doesn't do enough. Yeah, that's what I think too. All right, next up, Woo-hoo. Ivy Elemental. You give us a C plus. I gave us a B. This is, I think, your hottest take. This is green X for an elemental when it enters the battlefield. It's got X plus one plus one counters on it. All right, talk to me, Ben. I mean, I think this is a fine card normally. It's flexible anywhere on the curve. You know, three mana, two, two, you're not happy. But as soon as you're playing it as a four mana, three, three, the card is fine. And it's going to scale with the game. And I think in a world of mutate, the fact that you get the counters, I just picture, you know, late in the game, this is going to be a five, five or something. And then you mutate a dream tail heron onto it and the game's just over. I think this is a really powerful card in this format. I agree. I thought I was being generous with a C plus grade for it, but I, I agree with all the reasons you say like when it's in your opener and you've got a mutate card, then you get to go even as a two mana one, one to curve into a three mana mutate is good. So you just get to decide where along the curve it is and then you top deck it. And as you said, then it's just like you just tap out and you're like, great, this is a five, five, a six, six, whatever. Isn't this so isn't this great? It's great. I agree. I just think there are I just don't think it's a pull into green, but that could be totally wrong. Well, but so the the scenario you described, it's good everywhere. Good on turn right? two, good on turn 10. Yes, I agree. OK, so that's just a B minus or a B. It's got to at least be a B minus. All right, I'll, I'll go B minus. I like the card. Don't get me wrong. Next up, we've got Titanoth Rex. You give us a synergy C plus. I gave it a B. This is nine mana, seven green green for an 11, 11 trample. It has cycling one in a green. When you cycle it, put a trample counter on target creature you control. Ben, you are never casting this. Oh, I'm casting it, baby. And I'm also reanimating it. No, see, that's why it's a synergy raid. Because so if you've got the reanimation spells, great. I'm happy to put it in my deck. But 95% of the time, maybe more, you're cycling this. And that's not exciting. That is not a B. Uh, B minus what I would like you to give me a number right now of the times you think you will cast this card in this format. I mean, you're not casting it often. You're casting you're it, casting like, it basically 10, never 10 to 15% of the time. You're no, casting it. no way. <laughs> no way. 10% of the time. Yeah. Not, do you know when was the last time you cast a nine mana spell in limited green can ramp hard. All right. You're, you're out of your mind. You can have your B. You can have your B grade. I give this a synergy grade because I think the only times I really want it is when I can reanimate it. I, but I think it's like a, uh, it's so good in that deck though. I, I'll go B minus. I'll go down a little. <laughs> you're not picking this like a B minus. You're 
That's fine, though. <laughs> All right, moving on to the multicolored cards. First up, we've got Lord Dracus. This is one blue red for a 2-3. This has mutate for is it, is it. And whenever this creature mutates, you return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. I give this a B minus, you give this a C. So I feel like this is a pull into blue red for me as a card that's like, sort of a two for one. I mean, the same way that the Golgari one returns a permanent. Obviously, this is less flexible. But in the context of cycling, I don't think it's going to be hard to get a two for one out of this. Yeah, if you're in blue red, sure, it's B minus power level. I don't know that it makes me want to draft blue red. I, I think I would go C plus. But what about the flexibility of you can put this in a red white deck, a red black deck, a blue white deck, like this is very flexible for its mutate cost. Yeah, you're right. All right, B minus. I think we're going to have the same argument here for Necropanther. So you gave us a B minus. I gave this a C again. Yeah. So this is one black white for a three, three, and it's got a mutate cost of two and then hybrid of Orzov Orzov. Whenever this creature mutates, return target creature with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. I, that that one I'm going to push back a little bit. And I, I think four mana is too much to be excited about that effect. Yeah, that could be fair. That could be fair. And and you may not be getting back anything super impactful. I'm going to stick with B minus, but I, I think y- you could definitely be right there. Yeah. So I, I'll go C plus again. Like if you're black white, it's a good card, but it doesn't make me want to draft a black white deck. And I don't think I'm particularly excited about putting it in a white black or a black deck planning to mutate it. Yeah, I think it's more much more contextual about like what are the, the twos and threes that I have that I might want to get back. But like three is a lot. Like it's pretty good. Nah. <laughs> not excited. Next up is Proud Wild Bonder. This is two Gruel Gruel for a 4-3 with Trample. And it has creatures you control with Trample have. You may have this creature assign its combat damage as though it weren't blocked. So I'm on C+, you're on Synergy B+. This When you have this in a deck with multiple Trample creatures out, which are generally going to be large creatures, I'm going to have my 11-11 Trample out on the battlefield, and I'm going to play a Proud Wild Bonder, and I'm going to dome you for 11. It's just going to end the game a lot of the time. And it's fine stats on a four drop. I think this card's powerful. I would have taken your argument seriously had you named any creature that would actually be on the <laughs> battlefield. But since you named a nine mana 11-11, I can't take you seriously. But serious, but seriously, though, like that's a really powerful ability. I agree. And the flexibility of this mana cost alone, I think, probably bumps it up to the B range. So I, I'm just going to go. Uh, I'll just go straight up B, I think. Got him. Next up, we've got Sonorous Howlbonder. This is one Rakdos Rakdos hybrid for a 2-2 menace. And each creature you control with menace can't be blocked except by three or more creatures. I think similarly to the Trample one, this is just going to end the game some amount of the time. It essentially gives your team unblockable if you've got menace creatures on the battlefield. Well, yeah, well, we did see that there were more instances of trample than menace. Like menace is only about seven, I think, at common or uncommon that, that have or grant menace, whereas tramples, I think, at, at 10. Um, but I agree. I'm, I'm going to go I'm going to go B minus. I'm a little less excited about this, but it, it's basically like phantom monster. Like it's just a three mana two two that can't be blocked. And then with upside. Yep. All right. Sweet. You want to talk about Song of Creation? I do want to talk about Song of Creation. All right. So this is one green, blue, red. This is a rare. We're going to talk about it, but we have such a great disparity that I think we need to. It's an enchantment. You may play an additional land on each of your turns. Whenever you cast a spell, draw two cards. At the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. I gave this a B plus. You gave this an F. Yeah, I I would love this to be good. I want this to be fires. Let me guess. You think you're going to deck? No, I don't think you're going to deck. I just think you're too vulnerable to the top of your deck so, so there's you're just so saying no if, world, if, you, if you hit if you hit a land pocket you're screwed yes like this is this is not like you know experimental frenzy in that respect so the scenario where you play this like even if you try to you know wait till you get to seven mana and play this 
as a four drop and then play a three drop and you draw two cards. Like you're never starting from a point where the top of your deck is known to you. You know what I mean? And it's not like we've got the like from Eldraine where there was a card draw spell that you could have sitting on the battlefield. There's no way to juice this up to where you're not vulnerable to the top of your deck. So if you cast this and then you draw land land, like you're just done. And there's no world where you're ever hitting a chain. Like you always get stopped by a land being on the top of your deck. So the argument of I draw land land off the top of my library, aren't I going to, isn't that bad no matter what in, in the late game? If I'm, if we assume that I'm casting song of creation as like the last card out of my hand, or, or maybe I end up having to pitch something else. That's always bad. If I have the top card of my library as a land. I agree, but you, I, I think it's too hard to double spell with song of creation too. You need to get seven or eight mana before you're reliably double spelling. But that shouldn't be that hard if this is the last card out of your hand. So you probably already have like six mana in play when you cast this. It shouldn't be that hard to double spell with this. But you also have to like draw the card off the top of your deck and then draw another card that is cheap enough for you to double spell with. I think you need eight mana on the battlefield before this is letting you potentially chain two spells together. And I just think all of that's not worth a card. It's It seems way too situational to me. All right. I probably need to play with it to, to get on board with it being unplayable. But for now, I think it's powerful enough that, that I want to give it a shot. All right. Cool. All right. That's going to bring us to my favorite part, Ben. Us ranking our top commons and uncommons in each color. Uh, I was getting to watch you put your list together because we had I have access to the spreadsheet and uh, we were like pretty lined up with commons. And then I'm excited to talk about the uncommons here. Uncommons were tough. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll kick us off here with white. So my number three white common is checkpoint officers. It's one in a white for the one two human and you can pay one in a white to tap target creature. Yeah, that's my number three as well. My number two is divine arrow. That's one in a white for the instant to deal four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. Yeah, that didn't make my top common list. It's possible it should. Uh, I'm pretty excited about Vulpakeet. This is three and a white for the two, three fox bird. It's got mutate for two and a white and it has flying. Whenever this creature mutates, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So I'm really excited about this card. The one thing I'm a little wary of is that white doesn't have a lot of non-humans to mutate onto, but I think this is potentially going to be a four or five hasty flyer for three. You know, like if you combine this on something like the egg, that already gives itself a plus one plus one counter or in green, you know, the essence symbiote, you're potentially getting a three mana four five flyer haste, which is powerful, but it might end up being too narrow to be one of the top commons. That's my feeling. I just think I just gave a nod to the three white removal spells because I do think removal is king. I think combat's going to be tough because of all the tricks. And that's why I think divine arrow is going to be maybe better than we've seen before. Yeah, Vulpakeet's my hot take. I am excited about it, but I could see it moving out. And then I assume we both have pacifism as our number one. Yes, that is correct. This is one in a white for the aura. Enchanted creature can't attack or block. Yep, absolutely. All right, uncommons. Here we go. So for my uncommons in number two, I've got sanctuary lockdown. This is two and a white for the enchantment that gives your humans plus one plus one. And you can pay two tap two untapped humans to tap target creature and opponent controls. Yeah, that seems a little maybe a little too narrow. But you could probably say the same thing about my number two, which is flourishing fox, the one mana one one when you cycle, you put a counter on it, and it has cycling one. Yeah, I think I, I tried to choose stuff for the uncommons that I thought had the highest potential power. That was my that was my methodology. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what's your and my number one is keen sight mentor this is Oof. two and a white for the one four when etbs put a vigilance counter on target non-human creature you control and you can pay one and a white tap put a 
plus one plus one counter on each creature you control with vigilance. Wow. Yeah. I gave uh I gave Valiant Rescuer the nod here. That's the one and a white three one. Whenever you cycle another card for the first time each turn, you make a one one white human soldier creature token and it has cycling too. This just seems like it's gonna slot into a lot of decks. I agree. That card's good. That was one that was the one I was most on the fence about not including. Yeah. I hope you're right about these mentors. They they seem sweet to me. Yeah. Moving on to the blue commons in my number three slot, I've got Thieving Otter. It's two and a blue for the two two. And whenever it deals damage to an opponent, you draw a card. Yeah, that's my number three, though. After doing the few drafts, I'm very, very inclined to move Glimmer Bell into the number three slot. That's the one in a blue one three that has flying and you can pay one in a blue to untap it. Just because it's a better thing to mutate onto? Well, maybe not better, but it being two versus three, I think is important. Yeah, I could see that. I'm going to stick with Thieving Otter yeah, for now. I've got Thieving Otter there, but honorable mention to Glimmer Bell and Blue's commons are deep, I think. Yeah, Blue seems strong. Number two, I've got Dreamtail Heron. That's the five mana, three, four flyer with mutate three and a blue. And when you mutate, draw a card. As my number two as well. And at number one, Essence Scatter, baby. Yeah. One on a blue instant counter target creature spell. I anticipate Essence Scatter being fantastic in this format. I agree. <laughs> Moving on to our disagreements here. What's your number two uncommon in blue? My number two is Archipelagor. This is five blue blue for a seven seven. Mutate cost of five and a blue. Whenever this creature mutates, tap up to X target creatures where X is the number of times this creature has mutated. Those creatures don't untap during their controller's next untap step. Yeah, I went with a different mutate creature as my number two. I went with Pouncing Shore Shark. That's the four and a blue four three with flash. Mutate three and a blue. Whenever this creature mutates, you may return target creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. Yeah, both good. I think the Archipelagor is going to end some games. Six mana, seven, seven, hasty Frost Lynx is pretty big game. Yeah, especially when you do it onto something that already has flying. Oh, baby, I can't wait. All right, number one, Boon of the Wishgiver. This is four blue blue for a sorcery, draw four cards, cycling one. I stuck on the mutate train here. I went with Polywog Symbiote as my number one. This is the one in a blue, one, three. Each creature spell you cast costs one less to cast if it has mutate. So again, as a reminder, that's for either the mutate cost or just the creature's CMC. And whenever you cast a creature spell, if it has mutate, draw a card, then discard a card. I like that take a little more now that I've I've felt a little choked on two drops. So I, I could certainly see joining you there. I just think Boon of the Wishgiver is so much raw power that it's going to go in any deck for essentially free. Yeah. But I, I get, again, I'm, I'm going to throw out that I think we're seeing the raw power there. I think it's going to be correct to cycle this card way more than it's going to be correct to cast it. But doesn't just the fact that you get to put it in your deck increase the power level of your deck so much? I don't know. But doesn't putting a two drop that lets me loot every time I mutate also increase the power of my deck? I agree if you're in the mutate deck. I think the, the thing about Boon is it goes in every blue deck for free. I guess I'm just like, I think I'm going to be trying to make most of my decks mutate decks. And I don't think that's hard for blue. That's fair. That's my feeling. Moving on to black commons at number three, I've got Cavern Whisperer. That's my hot take. Mm -hmm. So that's the four and a black, four, four menace with mutate three and a black. And if you mutated it, target opponent discards a card. Yeah, that's probably should be my number three. I think I'm I think Black's number three common is gonna be pretty situational. Um I gave the nod to Bushmeat Poacher. That's the sacrifice outlet, just because I think that's gonna be important in a number of, of decks or gonna be important to make a number of other cards better. But I, I could just see on raw power the uh, mutate discard being better. Yeah, I think those are both close. 
And I, I have to imagine we're lined up for number two at dead weight. That's single black for the enchantment aura. Enchanted creature gets minus two, minus two. Absolutely. And number one, blood curdle, three and a black, instant, destroy target creature and put a menace counter on target creature you control. Oof, that card is good. Real good. Moving on to the uncommons in black. My number two is heartless act. This is one and a black for an instant. Choose one, destroy target creature with no counters on it or remove up to three counters from target creature. Yeah, Mutate is the name of the game for me, so I'm, I'm, I'm off Heartless Act in my top two, though I do think the card is good. I've got Chittering Harvester, a.k.a. Farika's Spawn. That's five and a black for the four six. With Mutate, four and a black. When this creature mutates, each opponent sacks a creature. I'm not so convinced that that's going to be as good as Farika's Spawn was. No, nothing is as good as Farika's Spawn. Yeah, it seems like more of a cost than Farika's Spawn to do it over and over and over. I mean, but in a world where people are mutating, this is good. Edict effects are better when your opponent is reducing their own board. I agree, but it's also just going to be embarrassing against some subset of decks. Yeah, but those decks are already embarrassed because they're making 1-1 one, one humans. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> Poor humans. Poor tiny humans on the world of Ikoria. Exactly. All right. My top black uncommon is Grim Dancer. This is one black black for a 3-3 nightmare. Enters the battlefield with your choice of two different counters from among Menace, Death Touch, and Lifelink. Yeah, I like that card a lot. It's really good. It's busted, and it's busted to mutate onto. Mm -hmm. Yeah, getting those two counters for sure. And it's just great with like all the stuff that cares about the keyword ability counters. I agree. I've got, I've got a hot take here with Zagoth Mamba as my number one black uncommon. I'm just obsessed with mutate and mutate matter stuff. Single black 1-1, one, one, when this creature mutates, target creature and opponent controls gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. Yeah, I'm really hot on Zagoth Mamba. I have cooled down a little bit after doing the stats for the crash course and seeing that it's not necessarily going to nab a lot of creatures. But if you're on the play and you get a nab your opponent's two drop that they were going to mutate onto, oh baby. This is going to be like Elspeth's nightmare in those situations. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I do. I like it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Moving on to red. My number three common is Prickly Marmoset. This is two and a red for a two, three with first strike. And whenever you cycle a card, it gets plus two plus O oh until end of turn. This card is just unblockable and great to mutate onto. I agree. It's good. I think the fact that it costs three is what led me to not include it in my top red commons. So I'm going to I'm going to see if I can talk you up uh, on my my number two red common. So number three, I've got rumbling rock slide. Mm -hmm. This is three in a red deals damage equal to the number of lands you control to target creature. Yeah, that's my number two. My number two is Drana Stinger. So this is one in a red for the two two with cycling one. And whenever you cycle a card, it deals one damage to the opponent. So my feeling is that Two drops that you can't mutate onto aren't that good. Well, except I don't think red cares about that quite so much. So similar to your argument for Essence Symbiote, the one in a green 2-2 two, two, that whenever you mutate something, it gets a plus one plus one counter and you gain two. I just think Drana Stinger gets so good in multiples. Like, can you picture a deck that's got four or five Drana Stingers if you're taking it highly? Ben, you can't give the argument of you're going to get five of a It's common. similar to Pious Wayfarer in that way, right? Like, if you're picking it highly... I think there's a world where you get that. And if you get two of these on the battlefield, your opponent's just in danger of dying. Except that the way you're killing them is by not affecting the board. But it's going to let you close out the game too. Like picture an aggressive deck. This 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 is so much reach. I'm just worried that know. red can't be aggressive because this is its only two drop at common other than the forbidden friendship. Right, I agree. And that's another reason I think it's going to be a high pick because there just aren't a lot of twos in red. That's that's my that's my take. That's fair. 
That's fair. We both have to have the same number one though, right? Yes, fire prophecy. Yeah, one in a red, deal three at instant speed, and then you get to put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library if you want, and if you do, you draw a card. What's going on in the uncommons? My number two is reptilian reflection. So this is two in a red for the enchantment, and whenever you cycle a card, it becomes the five four dino with trample and haste. My number two is flame spill. That's two in a red for an instant. It deals four damage to target creature. Excess damage is dealt to that creature's controller instead. That's my number one, baby. My number one is Porcuparrot. I love this card. This is a three in a red for a three four. It has mutate two in a red and it has tap. This creature deals X damage to any target where X is the number of times this creature has mutated. The card's really strong. Yeah, I, I think this card is busted. And all I want to do, we talked about this before we started recording, but all I want to do is put this on the one three in blue that has one in a blue on tap. Start machine gunning things down, baby. Whew, that's hot. Yeah, I do like Porcupine. That was my number three. I just couldn't quite fit it in there. And maybe they both end up being powerful enough that Flamespill gets bumped out. I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. I just, I think this format is going to be a lot about creatures and that just like clean removal has to be really good. Yeah, except it's damage based. Like I think there's yeah. a world where stuff gets out of range of, well, I'm a little worried about Fire Prophecy to be honest. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Remember, it, Fire Prophecy kills two thirds of things. Flamespill is killing like 80% of stuff. But that's assuming that like there's not counters that have been mutated onto. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's going to happen. Taking that into account. Maybe that's why the egg is going to be great. Yeah. All right, moving on to the green commons. My number three is humble naturalist, although I already want to revise my green commons. Ooh, what do you want to do? I want to, I want to. <laughs> you want essence symbiote <laughs> well, there. You're the worst. <laughs> what? I, you, well, you say that because I assume that's in your top three green commons. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah, I want to revise my top three green commons to include essence symbiote. I think I'm going to put essence symbiote in there over humble naturalist. So, so that, I had humble, humble naturalist as my number three. I want to put essence symbiote there. So humble naturalist being the one three that taps for any color of mana, but it has to be for creature spells. Yes. Yeah. I think that card is really good. Again, I'm just not as excited about two drops that are humans over other stuff like symbiote. Right. So I'm going to put essence symbiote there. That's the one on a green two, two non-human that whenever you mutate uh, the, the card gets plus one plus one and you gain two life. I've got that at two. I, and my number three slot is Fertilid. That's the two in a green zero zero gets two plus one plus one counters on ETB. You can pay one in a green to remove it to find a land comes into play tapped. That's my number two. And at number one, I assume we've both got a ram through. Yes, sir. That's the one in a green. Your creature punches their creature at instant speed. And if it had trample, you deal excess damage to the creature's controller. And then at uncommon, surprise, surprise, I have two creatures with mutate. In my number two slot, I've got Glowstone Recluse, the two in a green, two, three with reach. It has mutate three in a green. When it mutates, you put two plus one plus one counters on it. That is also my number two. And at number one, I've got Auspicious Starix. That's the four in a green, six, six, mutate five in a green. When it mutates, you exile cards from the top of your library until you exile X permanent cards, where X is the number of times this creature has mutated. Put those permanent cards onto the battlefield. My number one, Ivy Elemental, baby. I just can't imagine that you're picking... If you see Ivy Elemental and Starix in the same pack that you're taking the Elemental. I think you want to take the Mutate cards pretty highly. I don't know. Elemental's a premium thing to mutate onto, and it's never bad. Well, it's bad if you don't have mutate cards. I disagree. There's a point in the game where it's a six mana five five. That's a fine card. Or a four mana three three or whatever you need. I think the flexibility, Ivy Elemental does so much. Um, I'll be interested to see where this stacks up in a couple weeks for you over the rest of the uncommons. Yeah, for sure. Whew. All right. We want to give a shot at throwing out your top five commons overall, because I think it's important to talk about one card that we haven't yet. Yeah. So my top five commons in order from five to one, 
Essence Scatter at five, Pacifism at four, Fire Prophecy at three. That's the red instant deal three. Number two is Farfinder for me. That's the three mana for a one one fox. And whenever it ETBs, you get to search up a land and put it into your hand. And my number one is Blood Curdle. Yeah, so we're any mix of like four removal spells here. I've got Pacifism five, Ram through four, Fire Prophecy three. I have Blood Curdle two. I have Farfinder as the best common in the set. Pog Champ, hot takes. So I think it's important to throw this out there for folks who didn't play during Dominaria that this is very similar to Skittering Surveyor, and Skittering Surveyor was the best common in Dominaria. To pack one, pick one. So once you're you know what colors you're in, or once you know you don't need fixing, whatever, like Farfinder is obviously not in, in the conversation. But in the context of look at all these great removal spells we have, and they're all single colored. So yeah, Blood Curdle is probably the best of the bunch, but like you're also happy to have Essence Scatter, Pacifism, Ram Through, Fire Prophecy, whatever, even Rumbling Rock Slide. Like you can move down, even Divine Arrow and White. Like you can move down the list and you're still getting these single color pipped removal spells. And not only do you get those, you get access to all the really strong cards in the format, which are multicolored. Like most of the rares are multicolored. The good uncommons are multicolored. So you really are going to be incentivized to have good mana in this format. And I think Farfinder is going to be a really good flexible pick. And that's not even taking into account the mechanic that we're both excited about, which is Mutate. Yeah. Love Farfinder. Agree with everything you just said. Ben, I can't wait to get my hands on this set. We've already gotten our hands that's on true, it. That's true. That's true. I just, I just want to put the cards in play. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a lesson. Come check us out on Twitch and Twitter. We will both be participating in the MTG Arena Streamer Early Access event on Wednesday. You can check us out there at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware for me, twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome for Ben. We are both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of limited. Thanks everybody. See you later. Umbridge, a pious wayfarer, being a synergy card. It is a synergy card. If you don't have synergy with it, it's a one mana one two. But you have, but like, when are you not having synergy with that card? I don't know if you try to damn it, jam it in a deck with that enchantments. <laughs> Umbridge. Umbridge taken. Umbridge right. taken.